Welcome in, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining us as we are here to recap the Browns' second preseason game, a 21-20 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at home in Cleveland. I am joined again by Jack Duffin from uh, Merry Old England, and uh, time check, Jack, it is, uh, it's going to be 9 o'clock for you, just after 9 o'clock, is that right? Yeah, so quarter past nine here, and uh, my, my biggest conclusion is that is how long will it take for us to get rid of all the preseason games and just have a 20-game season? Mm. Because let them have some joint practices. It, it, it's a joke even calling that football, if we're going to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Or just eliminate preseason games and keep it at 17. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even need these preseason games, man. They're I mean, I get it. They're trying to figure out some things in the roster, but if you're not playing any starter, it's like just have one, just have like one dress rehearsal game, you know, mm-hmm. like that's enough. I, in my opinion, I think you, I mean, how many games when, a, you know, I guess my point is like, if a guy's a training camp breakout, you pretty much know, like you, you, you really know. I mean, the preseason games might help a little bit, but you really have an idea if a guy's like that or not. So I don't, I mean, how many, how many jobs have been won? with a third or fourth preseason game, but I'm telling you that was not a fun, that was not fun to watch. Yeah, no, when, when you sit and watch an entire four quarters of that, it really, it really impresses upon you how uh, bad of a product they're putting out there. I don't think, I mean, I watch a little bit of spring training baseball every year. Uh, I definitely watch a little bit of the NBA in the preseason. They're not nearly as unwatchable as that is towards the end because the, you know, the problem is, is it's the same old thing that we always talk about. Quarterback is the hardest position in sports, you know, relative to all the other positions. And I mean, we saw it with Josh Rosen there at the end when you don't have a quarterback that can move the ball or throw the ball accurately, it becomes a very difficult sport to watch and enjoy. And that's what we just experienced. Um, uh, Jake, do you want to run through the stats for us? Yeah, we can rip through these pretty quickly. So yeah. Uh, to start this one, we'll go with first down. We'll just kind of go down the gauntlet here. Total mm-hmm. offensive plays. It was pretty balanced. 72 plays for Cleveland, 71 for Philly. Uh, total yards of net yards, 403 Cleveland, 344 for Philly. Uh, 26 first downs, Cleveland, 24 for Philly. They were the more successful third down team, and I think that's a large part of the difference. Eight for 14, Cleveland, four for 12. Average gain, Cleveland outgained them by a yard per play, but again, converting important um third downs is is always going to help you win games neither team turned the ball over six penalties for each side cleveland significantly less yardage uh 50 yards for philly 27 for cleveland uh three touchdowns for philadelphia two for cleveland and then there were two field goals out of three so that missed field goal is obviously the thing that that uh that causes them to 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 lose this game that uh, ball it's terrible camera work by the way couldn't see it <laughs> just saw it hit the upright at the very end uh, Philly has the ball for seven more minutes uh, in this one. So um, otherwise, let's talk about stats for players. The Browns throwing side, Josh Dobbs, an efficient 14 for 20, a buck 41. And then Josh Rosen, seven for 20 for 88. Uh, John Kelly runs 14 times, 66 yards, a touchdown. Josh Dobbs, four carries for 47 with a long of 36. That run up the left sideline on the first series was fun. He had a touchdown rushing on a kind of broken play, so – uh, it's hard to say that that was a design Josh Dobbs touchdown run, but he ended up getting in the end zone untouched. Jerome Ford, nine carries, 31 yards. Dearness Johnson, two carries for 11. Johnny Stanton, two carries for five. Anthony Schwartz caught that little quick reverse for four yards. Receiving, Mike Harley had seven targets to lead the group. He only had three catches for 30 yards. Thought a couple of those hit his hands. He should have caught. Uh, five targets for Javon Wims, including the last throw down field there. He had one catch for 32 yards on the day. Five targets also for Jamarcus Bradley, who had two catches for 10. 
David Bell had four catches, uh, sorry, four targets, three catches, 46 yards. He should have had that fourth catch. Ball hit him in the hands. Should have brought that one in. Nakia Griffin-Stewart, three catches, 33 on four targets. And then Jerome Ford on four targets had four catches, 26 yards. Uh, Zaire Mitchell-Payton had uh, three targets. He had a, a singular catch there in the fourth quarter for 22. Anthony Schwartz, two catches, 20 yards on three targets. And that's about it. Dalen Baldwin, who I still think is something there, but he didn't uh, was not able to bring in a, a a throw that was left poor inside, so he didn't end up getting any receptions on the day. Richard LeCount had ten tackles to lead the group. Uh, Jordan Kunasik, I think that's yep. I think that's how it's said. He had seven tackles. He had a really nice pop tackle we saw there late in the game. Again, we're searching for anything that was fun. He had a really nice form tackle. Tony Fields had six tackles. Willie Harvey five. So your linebackers. Dakota Allen had five. Alex Wright was all over the field. I thought when he was playing in a good in a good fashion, he had five tackles on the game. Javante Moffat four, and then a slew more with um, less than that. Only one sack on the day. Curtis Weaver had a sack. There were no interceptions. And then Josh Dobbs did fumble that touchdown run. He ended up having. He picked it up himself. Real quick on Philly, Gardner Minshew fourteen of seventeen, a buck forty two. He should have had a pick six the other way on that throw in the goal line. Um, Sinet had four. Uh, uh, Sorry, I think it's uh, four for nine, 69 yards, a touchdown, that deep throw of 50, I think it was 55 yards. Kenny Gainwell had 11 carries, 46 yards, a touchdown. Boston Scott, 10 for 33. James Huntley, I think is his name, uh, eight carries, 22 yards. Deion Kane is their leading receiver on anything of consequence, five catches, 66 yards, and then that's it. So not a ton of stats pop out to you. I mean, I thought John Kelly ran hard. He deserved every yard he earned, 66 yards. Dobbs, uh, I think, is probably where we should start, right? I mean, I think yep. Josh Dobbs was uh, effective. He, he just looks really comfortable. I think he's doing all the things. You know, you talk about uh, at the top there, Andrew, about quarterback play and how many guys can do it. Mm-hmm. And Dobbs, listen, Dobbs hasn't really been given a chance to play in an offense like this, A, and B, a chance to really be a quarterback. He was a gadget player in Pittsburgh. They would come on and have him run read option and different quarterback run designs. And he's clearly athletic. It doesn't take much to see that. But I, I thought I'm just kind of impressed with where he's putting the football timing is really nice so far he's felt comfortable in everything he's doing i don't think he's looked in my opinion in any way confused at all Mm -hmm. since he's been out there so i thought he looked really comfortable uh, in terms of throwing the ball getting his eyes where they need to be uh coming off play action delivering accurate throws and you can just tell the difference rosen's leaving those balls and you know a little bit behind or inside making it more difficult than it needs to be so i think dobbs far and away uh the guy as the backup uh, during the brissette run we're probably going to see Dobbs try to put him back on the practice squad later in the year, mm-hmm. which could present a little bit of a challenge depending on where some team's quarterback situations are late in the year. Mm-hmm. But I've enjoyed his time. I thought two games now he's been sharp. I don't know how many snaps he'll get in the third preseason game, but really sharp, efficient, taking care of the football, directing traffic. And I have nothing but good vibes. And, and I'm sure he's going to grade out really well because I didn't really think he missed many throws off the top of my head. And I thought he delivered some throws that were some challenging ones right up the field, up the hashes. Like these were not, this was not a, uh, as simplified a game plan for the most part as what we saw, uh, back, back last week in Jacksonville. I thought they ran some actual concepts. They'll run on Sundays and he delivered the ball in a nice hole shot up the left sideline there to, um, to Harley. So uh, I I'm interested uh, to see where Dobbs is, is going to be next year. Kind of like, as a guy who can do some things or if he's a potential long-term backup answer right after right. the Jacoby Brissett run or what the Browns will do to try to 
hang on to him because I think he has a nice feel for what they want to do on offense. And he does bring, much like Watson, a similar type of quarterback where it felt like Dobbs was playing in a similar way where he doesn't want to run, but if you force him to run, he can get out and move, yeah. and he's very able to pick up some some sticky third down situations. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated as a Watson archetype of quarterback to be the backup long-term, but, but again, I mean, also he's going to, if he plays really well, continues to, I'm sure like if Brissett struggles, they – there could be some minor interest in giving him some time if, if, uh, cause he's, he's an athlete. He's able to get out and run and move. And Brissett doesn't run. I mean, he's not a runner at all. He doesn't bring you that element of anything. So, uh, this is something to sort of pay attention to. But I'm, I've been impressed by Josh Jobs. I want to make that clear. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, Jack, uh, two, two questions off of that. Uh, so the first question is... Um, Josh Dobbs seems to have cemented, I think, probably his hold as quarterback three slash quarterback two uh, with the Watson suspension uh, incoming. Uh, do the Browns then, as the season opens, need to find a different uh, QB four slash QB three? Is the Josh Rosen experiment over? Yeah, it's, it's finished. And uh, I, I was on that train before even today. Yes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they leave him on the squad all the way through the rest of the preseason. And it isn't until for a player to get to the practice squad, they have to be cut or waived depending on how many mm -hmm. accrued seasons they've got. So I'd expect that to be the moment where they let him go then because they're looking at what other teams might drop. Right. So whether a Nick Mullins becomes available again or players like that, maybe a PJ mm -hmm. Walker, um, any of these guys that are suddenly more interesting than Rosen, who they can then put one on the practice squad. Because if we look all the way through the Andrew Perry, um, regime so far it's two quarterbacks on the roster one on the practice squad mm -hmm. and you can't choose who goes to your practice squad you've got to cut and wave them every other team in the league can then put them on the roster if they don't you can then try resign and they have to voluntarily come back but mm -hmm. i cannot see rosen back here 
Um, I think his time in Cleveland will be done at the end of this preseason. Mm-hmm. But Josh Dobbs, as Jake Burton's touched on, I'm really, really excited about what he could do for the team next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not suddenly crowning him as a potential starter, but he's a player that on this year is only costing 895000 which is absolute peanuts. When you look at what we've spent on backup quarterbacks, five and a half million Case Keenum year one, six million on Case Keenum year two, 4.65 million this year on Jacoby Brissett. We can just take that about five million a year. And if you're going to pay Dobbs, say, 1.5, well, that's another three mil that you can spend on another wide receiver. And that's Darius Slayton. That could be Cole Beasley. That could be somebody else that all you're doing is moving the money out of any time you're not paying any backup, put that money in a starter. Um, and you'll get an, get an upgrade. Everyone would rather have um, just somebody that's got a history of 500 catches in the NFL versus Anthony Schwartz out there week one right. um, as your third wide receiver. Yeah, that was going to be my second question to you. So you anticipated that well. You're, you're, if, if your uh, bio had a tagline at the bottom, it would be don't pay backups. So that's the, that's the Jack Duffin motto, and uh, I, we're going to embrace that as a show. Um, I think the other big piece of news, uh, just looking at, you know, kind of bigger picture stuff that came out of today's game was uh, Perry and Winfrey didn't play a snap in the first quarter. And then he played, I think, uh, every defensive series from then on uh, through the end of the game. Uh, and so there's there was some speculation on Twitter and, and rightfully so. Maybe there was a, a discipline issue, but then he also did not play particularly well. So uh, Jake, I want to throw it back to you. Your thoughts on uh, the, the Perry and Winfrey situation. Uh, pretty concerning all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, it's just not, you don't, if they're a valuable player at the position, you know, you don't see them getting snaps late into a fourth quarter. It's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't spell the end of things, right? But like, it does make you a little bit concerned about how valuable he is to their rotation and stuff like that, considering, you know, who they you know, positions that they're still trying to figure out and being defensive tackle, one of them continue. Now, again, a guy playing into the fourth quarter doesn't mean he's getting cut. It doesn't mean anything crazy like that, but it does show you they think he needs more reps. He's clearly not ready to play, and um, we need to see more from him. Now, the first quarter, I mean, it's all conjecture. Could it be a suspension? Yeah. I mean, if he maybe was late to a meeting or missed a meeting or did something on the field, there's always possibility that he was suspicious because he came in mid drive in the second quarter. Like it's not like mm-hmm. he came on for a new drive. I'm not trying to say anything. I would ask that question though. Cause I thought it was really peculiar his entry point in the game and especially playing behind the UDFAs that he was playing behind. So you start to wonder about those things just a little bit, but yeah, I mean, he didn't play well. He looks like he's a little lethargic and slow. And again, this comes back to why was this guy a fourth round pick? Well, You've heard attitude issues. You've heard he's had some off-field stuff before. And when he's right and when he's locked in and when he's got everything in the right direction, he can be a force. But there's a reason a guy like that falls to the fourth round because there's just a level of untrustability there. And, um, yeah, I just I, I think that that's a situation you worry about a significant amount, at least to me. Um, but but that doesn't mean he can't eventually figure it out or whatever. It doesn't mean – anything crazy for this year but it does show you that there's 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 not it's not a trend in the right direction right now for him considering mm-hmm. when he's playing and how he's playing right now so we'll study tape this week to figure out exactly how he was playing and i'll try to get an answer for you guys on that but the, the snaps weren't encouraging and the delivery time of those snaps was also not encouraging so we'll see jack 
The fascinating thing for me, because on the broadcast, it, on the um, graphic, it came up with him listed as the starter when they all started mm-hmm. running out. Mm-hmm. So I can only think this must have been a really, really late call. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would assume it's pretty much an in-house broadcast that they'd have given him the list of who's going to be the starter. So sure. maybe he's late to the game arrival time, you know, like they have to get to the stadium at a certain time. Maybe it was late. I don't know. I mean, it's all conjecture, but it was just yeah. weird. I think we can all agree. It was kind of weird. The entry point into the game. So yep. hopefully um, we can figure that out and try to get an answer. And he's got to play better too, though. I mean, he's, he's got every opportunity here, but you, you know, you continue to talk about, well, why was this guy available in the fourth round? Well, mm-hmm. there's a reason it's usually things of this nature. So, um, Let's just kind of let it play out. And I'm, 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 I'm thinking somebody in the media uh, post game will ask the question that we're wondering here, and hopefully we can get an answer to. It might already be out there. I don't know. And one thing with just the rotation, that they've both years kept nine players on the defensive line. Um, first year it was five edges. Um, last year it was five defensive tackles. But if you've only got four defensive tackles that fourth defensive tackle is playing regular snaps. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be really interesting to note. It's not like they can bury him for a year. A fifth edge, whether you'll say Thomas, that they decide to hide him back and um, it's going to be Rochelle and Wright potentially as the, the third and fourth. You can hide one guy. You can't really hide one person in the group where it's only four, especially with defensive tackle because you don't want them guys playing over really 70% of snaps, slightly bigger than not quite as... Uh, levels of stamina that you might get in an edge who in miles Garrett, rarely going to want to play him playing over 80 percent of snaps right well and i think the the it, I, it certainly at a minimum it, it indicates that perry and winfrey is maybe not a player that can be depended on uh early in the season certainly for any sort of significant contribution which then sort of brings up the overall contribution about the or the overall conversation i should say about the state of the interior defensive line um when the eagles were sort of running the ball up the middle on the Browns at will throughout the first half. That was a big conversation on on uh, Browns Twitter was, you know, can the Browns stop the run this year? Do they need to go out and add somebody? And I think it's always worth reminding that the they, the team has strategically and in, intentionally uh, deprioritized the defensive tackle position at the expense of the secondary and pass rushers on the defense. Uh, but it leads to situations like this. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I put on the OBR's Twitter account during the, the first half that, you know, it's it's the same blueprint that the Raiders followed in beating the Browns defense in 2020 and 2021. You run the ball up the middle, you throw the ball quickly to eliminate Miles Garrett, and you just you string together 14 play drives. And and that's what Joe Woods wants. He wants teams to have to march down the field. He wants to cut down on big plays, but it creates this situation Whereas, as you know, as fans, people are watching and saying they can't get off the field. You know, they were at one point they were five for six on on third down, and it, and it, it's a it's an incredibly frustrating thing to watch. So I, I think my question to you, Jake, is is this always what we're gonna just have to expect with a Joe Woods scheme, or does part of it also just come down to not having the guys on the field to get off the field on third down? Well, I mean, they they have enough guys, so so that's not an excuse, at least to me, to 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 not have enough talent to create ways to get off the field. Now, you're right; that formula is a formula that teams have used to to give them some issues. at the At the heart of what the Browns do uh, with with their with their defense is they try to string things out as best they can. They they try to discourage interior run games so that their edges can be a predominant part of that. 
And so that uh, their linebackers who, who they draft guys and want guys around who can really move so that those guys can be a, uh, uh, you know, a lateral running force, right? A lateral force to, to um, uh, kind of clean things up. And it's kind of the same with their structure uh, in, 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 in general with, with how they're approaching this defense is they want to put the ball in certain areas in the passing game too. So, yeah, I think you're right that teams, there are certain teams who can figure out ways to scheme them up and give them some fits and the generic things that they want to do defensively. But it's how often do you want to do that? How, how, uh, how patient are you as an offense? And they want to challenge that. But I do think they listen with the group they put out there today. It's understandable. You know, they did try to do some things, get corners aggressive and create some ways to deter defense or the, the, you know, the, the Eagles from, from doing some of the nickel dime stuff. But for the most part, you just, you just have to be, I think you just have to be a, a bit differentiated in your technique in terms of how you're aligning guys and where you're putting them. And I think Woods will do a little more of that this year, considering teams have two years of film on what he wants to do with the Browns defense. Uh, but they have to prove to us that they can be better, right? Better on third down. Like I have no issue with their defense because they were getting teams to third down, mm-hmm. but then they kept giving up uh, issue spots in their defense where they were taking risks and those risks were not panning out. They weren't getting guys to the right spot. So um, I don't think we should sit here to answer the heart of your question, Andrew, sit here and expect that to be a thing. But mm-hmm. at times they will play that way because they are going to challenge your A patience and B ability to continue to have a quarterback make the perfect read at the perfect time and keep the football moving like that. So I I don't mind the game plan. It's not what everybody always wants, but it's not the worst game plan out there in terms of funneling things to areas of the field and keeping things in front of you. Mm -hmm. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I think it's it's going to be interesting to watch because I think it's a it can be a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing. Is does the scheme make the defensive tackles look bad because they're they're kind of in the crux of it a lot? Or but also we know that the t- the the team is not that talented at that position. So it, it will be something to continue to watch this season. I think it'll probably be something that comes up again. Uh, I want to address uh, something that has caught fire a little bit here in the post game is uh, Joe Thomas kind of off the cuff at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fir- fourth quarter said something about the the Eagles and Browns potentially talking trade around a running back. Uh, he just kind of tossed it off, but then Chris Rose jumped in there real quick and said, reportedly, reportedly, and then that was the end of it. And so, Jack, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, do you, you think there's some legs to that? We, we, we heard Jake in the pregame say, Fran Duffy said he didn't think Kareem Hunt was a fit, but maybe this is a situation where Dearness Johnson makes sense to, to go to the Eagles. Yeah, apparently it came up on Cleveland Browns Daily, and I'm um, People are assuming that's where Joe Thomas would have uh, mm. picked it up from. 
But um, I, I think it's certainly one that, hey, we know Andrew Berry chats to literally every GM around the league asking a million and one questions um, because he's always seeking information on what the value is on their players, our players. Um, and who's one of his main mentors as a GM is Harry Roseman. Mm-hmm. So um, I certainly think there's been discussions on all sorts of where they've discussed pretty much the vast majority of the roster, all the bubble guys of going, well, who do you like that we might take if, if you let them go? Because you're going to have a more friendly relationship with a guy that you worked under for an entire year. Um, do I think, I, I think it certainly could. Um, there's a concussion, I think, for Gamewell um, recently. So that, that could flare up again later in the preseason. Um yeah, I think I think they'd be more interested to Ernest Johnson than Cream Hunt, if I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest, just because of the way they've tended to operate their running back room. Um, but yeah, I I think it's more of a Ernest move than a Hunt, mm-hmm. whereas someone who might be more splashy and looking for the hey, we have our bell cow. Say they. Um, the Titans lost Derek Henry. Sure. They'd be looking for a more splashy guy and want someone to come in like Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. where they go, this guy can be our main bell cow. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if there's a move with uh, Philly, I would mm-hmm. say it's more likely Dennis Johnson. Mm-hmm. Well, and watching John Kelly run so well in the second half too, it's it's, a, it's just a reminder of how deep the Browns are at running back with, uh, I mean, Demetri Felton didn't even see the field today. I assume that's because he's, he's not in jeopardy of losing his spot. So you've got Jerome Ford, Demetri Felton, and uh, Dearness Johnson before and John Kelly, you know, the hits just keep coming. So Jake, uh, to you, um, uh, if, if there was going to be that sort of thing, I know that you, you put on Twitter during the game, maybe Dion Kane just wants to stay in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that's the question is, is of these guys, Philly's kind of deep at receiver and, and mm-hmm. I don't know what they're, you know, they've got some interesting Greg Ward behind their first, like they go AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Quez, I think Quez Watkins is his name. Mm-hmm. They play him a lot. And then it's like, okay, after those three, it's Greg Ward and Deion Kane. And then obviously Jalen Rager, like if, if you could, I don't know, I'd be just interested in trying to get one of those fellas. I mm-hmm. mean, you can, you can pull something. I mean, I, I would imagine there'd be an interest in a, and a something like a, a Deion Kane and 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 Dearness Johnson, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I would I'd be fascinated. There's a lot of teams out there that we could talk, you know, things with. We've talked a lot about on this show about uh, the Giants and Slayton and mm-hmm. uh, some other interesting names on the free agent market. I'm not I'm not desperate for who I'm not really picky who it is at this point. Mm-hmm. I just think there should be something done. Uh, but again, they it's it's preseason. I don't know. What are we? It's about to be the third week of the preseason. We've seen no movement. So I'm on the side now that I don't even know if they're going to make any move besides just getting uh, a cut, a player cut. So maybe there is some trade traction next week. But at that point, as we talked about on the pregame, there's just not a lot of time for that player to really make an immediate impact for you. It's going to be several weeks into the season before they make an impact. So really at large, at least for the first five, six games, this is your wide receiver room and this is your defensive tackle room so you're mm-hmm. just gonna have to hope you can negotiate it and find ways to win you know it's mm-hmm. the unfortunate reality of it they could get some guys uh late here but but that's you know that's about that's about it yep and encouraging signs uh on that front david bell played and i think played pretty well i had that as you mentioned earlier jake that bad drop on the right sideline but uh, generally speaking uh played pretty well i think and and it's good to see him just out there doing it uh and Anthony Schwartz had another, I would say, up and down uh, performance, including 
a catch that looked like it wanted to be a drop at one point. You know, it, it feels sometimes like he's fighting with the ball. Yeah. Uh, but so it's the, not a smooth, he just doesn't, it's he's not, not a, natural. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't pluck the football. He doesn't have mm-hmm. natural sort of turn and diamond hand. And like, he just doesn't do that stuff. So I remain <laughs> concerned. There's nothing yes. that calmed yes. my concern today. Put right. it that way. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, to your point, uh, it, the die is somewhat cast at this point when we're looking at it being the 21st of August and, uh, three weeks from today, they'll be in, uh, Charlotte, uh, finishing up their first game of the season. So, um, uh, other, other areas of, of, uh, excitement and concern. I, I was impressed with the way that the second team offensive line played. I thought Michael Dunn at center looked, uh, comfortable. And, um, I also thought Alex Taylor, I mean, he played the entire game, which is, you don't see that too often, especially at the mm-hmm. offensive line in the preseason. He played 70 snaps. Uh, uh that's, that's a, an immense amount of work. And I thought you mentioned it a few times on, on, on your stream on playback, but, uh, Drew Forbes looked good at times as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. impressive stuff from the second team offensive line. Yeah, I thought they were fine uh, for the for the most part. A lot of them played quite a bit into the into the second half, and I and I thought Dunn could be a center option for them, and uh, it's good to see that that's a route they can go and keep him around. So Dunn and Hans become wildly important for them once again. Uh, not to be totally unexpected there, but those guys are going to make the roster and they're important. Uh, but yeah, the young guys we'll, we'll rewatch it. Forbes got a lot of snaps, which is great. Alex Taylor was not a noticeable uh, issue for me, and I mm-hmm. think that matters mm-hmm. uh, as a left tackle. I thought I was high on him last year, and then he got hurt and uh, was put on the IR, but I was uh, sort of high on his uh, upside, and uh, they looked fine. I thought the offensive line, I did not notice many situations where I'm like, mm, that's an offensive line issue there. So they, I thought they played pretty well against what is usually a well-coached and deep Philly uh, Philly front five. Uh, I have to check snap counts. We have snap counts on ours, our, our end because Anthony is already – given a Cleveland snap count stuff, but we do not know for sure quite about how many snaps important parts of Philly's mm-hmm. roster received. But yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, that group I thought played as well as you could hope them to piecing some things together here at the last moment uh, this last week or so and mm-hmm. trying to figure out who your, who your sort of backups are there. So yeah, mm-hmm. I thought they were fine. Uh, and then Jack, uh, the secondary depth I thought was, you know, it got tested there because AJ Green left uh, with, uh, it sounds like he was being checked for a concussion. MJ Emerson left with uh, an undisclosed injury. I don't think we've heard what that was. Um, and so, you know, it ended up with Herb Miller playing a lot of snaps and uh, players like Lavert Hill and uh, Pernell Motley playing a lot of snaps. And uh, they, they at times got picked on. Uh, it seemed like they were not fully comfortable and, and, and were kind of exposed by some of the uh, Eagles wide receivers. It's definitely the battle for DB10 is Herb mm-hmm. Miller versus Bell. Um, it could go either way. Um, it's going to be purely based on probably who, who's better on special teams. Um, we'll come down to that. Miller's obviously got more experience. Um, Bell's probably the better athlete. So, um, yeah, a, a nice mix there where we're going to see where that rests. And mm-hmm. it, it, when you're looking at the bottom of every single room, you're probably better looking at their performance on special teams than their performance on the offense or the defense and it's just the way it goes because mm-hmm. db10 if they're out there playing cornerback or safety snaps everything's finished uh, it, it's not good <laughs> that's a good reminder yeah I, and, and to that point i thought there was a lot of uh, impressive performance from the end of the linebacker room tony fields and uh, jordan kanasich and uh, willie harvey i thought all had, had good games as well and speaking of special teams i did just want to mention uh, jake i know that you highlighted this i think on the opening kickoff 
the the Browns uh, turned loose one of the gunners for the or the outside contained players for the for the Eagles was was yeah. unblocked and they they returned a, a kick from the end zone to what like the 14 15 yard line so it, it starts to feel and this is the first kick of the game so they, some of those guys are probably on the team playing special teams it, it feels like it, we're not any we're anywhere nearer having a, a competent special teams unit uh not at all well I mean at least the kickoff the punt stuff and a lot of other units have been fine to me but mm-hmm. The kick return stuff is like uh, at this rate, I'm never taking the ball out of right out of the end zone. Not that you really data to say you should, probably shouldn't anyway, but these mm-hmm. guys get these like notions to bring the football out, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not bringing it out. You haven't proven to me that you guys can block a soul, so I'm not, I'm not handling. I mean, I you go back and turn the Jaguars kicking game stuff on and watch how the Jags are able to set up some kick return stuff versus how Cleveland was, and it was. It was really ugly. I mean, it was mm-hmm. extremely ugly. They're not blocking certain people. They you usually, and again on kick return stuff, you have a number like L. You kind of number them off L two, right? L's mm-hmm. and R's based on, uh, you know, and I, I'm dropping back and I got L four and stuff like that. They're just not. I don't know if there's just miscommunication going on there, but it it is really ugly. And I, yeah. I'm just like the, the watching two guys come clean on that opening kickoff was it was like. Okay, here we are again. <laughs> same thing this week, I guess, is what we're going to do. So yep. I'm sure I would sure Prefer is going to say the same thing, but he's got to get it cleaned up. Ultimately, yep. it's on you, man. If your group mm-hmm. can't figure it out, it is going to is going to be on you. Yeah. So well, and he was so vocal in the offseason that Jakeem Grant was going to solve so many of their problems in the return game, and uh, I understand that that argument. They did not have a quality returner last year, but. As you, I mean, as you said, it, special teams problems come back to the special teams coordinator in my mind. So I, I was talking about this last year. The special teams were so bad, and it went under the radar for a lot of the season. Um, you know, the the struggles with the quarterback dominated the conversation. But from the first game when Jamie Gillen dropped that snap, you know, and and <laughs> it was revealed that they do not practice muff snaps because they don't want to practice failure. I I, I have I haven't forgotten that a year later. Uh, the idea that you wouldn't practice muff snaps uh, seems insane to me, but ever since then it's kind of been on my radar as something that they have needed to improve and haven't improved and so like you said it comes back to one person uh i think that just about wraps it up for today and uh the show uh i'll give uh both of you a chance for any last thoughts jack anything else that you wanted to get out there into the world before we uh, wrap it up today no not too much it was uh not much learn i wouldn't expect too much in the way of moves this week i think we see the moves and loads of craziness like the day after the next game so uh, keep keep an eye on that one oh and tuesday five more players get cut Mm -hmm. so that's something to keep an eye on and we'll get some more guys that are just gone Mm -hmm. so we'll be tracking that this week uh fred greetham is in berea almost every day and usually is uh hears about it as soon as it happens so uh we will bring that to you as soon as we know but that's that's a good reminder that there's another deadline four o'clock on Tuesday, the team has to cut uh, five more players to get down to 80. And then it'll be a week from Tuesday on the 30th that the team has to get down to 53. Uh, But as Jack said, typically after that third preseason game, those things start to happen pretty quickly because there's no sense waiting to the deadline uh, for a lot of those. So, uh, Jake, uh, any last thoughts from you? No, everybody should go enjoy their Sunday. That was boring. (laughs) So go do something fun. Like Jack said, I don't. Other than I guess Josh Dobbs uh, doing a nice job mm-hmm. and showing he can he can handle things and uh, 
the offensive line being respectable, like there's nothing to be learned from that with it. I don't mm-hmm. feel any different about really much than I did going into this game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks for hosting Andrew. Thanks to Ian sure. for being, uh, being our, our, uh, show producer and Jack mm-hmm. for hanging out with us in the pre and post appreciate you guys. And yeah, that's about all we have for today. Right. Yep. That should do it. Thank you so much to everybody out there joining us. Uh, another great day in the chat. Uh, we really appreciate all the comments, questions and uh, support. And uh, as I mentioned in the pregame, we will be back tomorrow night with our Monday roundtable at 7 p.m. So join us then, and we'll have more on a lot of the same topics that we covered here. Until then, go Browns. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.